You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? I'm all right. Just uh, returning from Tuscaloosa down to the coast to uh, find ourselves under another hurricane watch in the 2020 that will never end. I've, I've never seen anything like this. I mean, uh, 2020, obviously, we've had pandemics and hurricanes, more hurricanes. There was an earthquake in North Carolina. California is literally on fire. Um, we, it's been an issue whether we have football at all. And then when we finally do have football, Georgia Tech and Florida State go through two different lights. Um, man, it's it's been a thing. I mean, it's not like some of those things are worse than others, obviously, but uh, it's definitely been a, been a year to forget. Oh, yes, and the riots. There's riots and there's riots and then there's peaceful protests and then there are protesting riots and riots that break into protests. It is uh, it's a thing, man. Uh, I don't know where to go. Um, here we but are. I, actually, I do know where to go. And I think I'm going to, there, there's a lot to talk about. We're cutting this podcast Sunday afternoon, right in the middle of the three o'clock NFL games. Um, and so we can talk about some of the performances uh, to this point by the Alabama NFL players, but because they've been pretty superb. But we will start off with scrimmage talk. Um, because Alabama did have a scrimmage this past Saturday, and it sounds as though both quarterbacks look pretty good, Mac Jones and Bryce Young. I think Young may have lost a fumble um, in, in in the scrimmage, and, I, and Mac Jones may have had an interception, although I know he had some yeah. several nice connections with Jalen Waddell. The running backs look good. Uh, Alex Leatherwood didn't participate. I'm, I'm going over the high points, Jimmy, and then I'm right. just going to let you just talk about what all you've heard. No, I mean, I, I think you, you covered a, a lot of what is known uh, out there, uh, you know, in terms of, of what I hear in addition to that. I, I think it was another huge day by Will Anderson to the surprise of no one. Uh, I think we've progressed now to the point where even though these are just practices and scrimmages aren't exactly SEC football games, you know, ho- however you want to ratchet up your expectations for Will Anderson, feel free, uh, you know, uh, I just think he's – I'll just say I think he's just kind of proven in practice that, that he may be the best pass rusher on the team. So I think we're going to see a lot of him on third down, and we're just going to see a lot of Will Anderson. I think he's not just, gosh, who's the best of all the freshmen. I think I think the discussion with him is more like, you know, is is he one of our best players? I mean, I think that's and, – and, and as crazy as that sounds, I mean, it's not like – we haven't had freshmen before who were ended up being one of the best players on the team. I mean, even Evan Neal a year ago. I mean, that's the thing when you say he's a true freshman, but he might be one of the best players on the team. That sounds ludicrous, but that happens every year at Nick Saban's Alabama. Evan Neal was one of the best players on the team last year, and he was a true freshman. Uh, so it happens all the time, and, and this year it's going to be Will, and uh, couldn't have come along at a better time. Uh, one thing that was a little surprising to me from a, from a lot of reports out there, not just one or two, but from a lot of reports, Malachi Moore started with the ones at Star and not Brian Branch. Now, maybe Brian Branch was nicked up. Maybe this means nothing. Maybe it means, hey, we Malachi's going to play in the game, so we need to give him more reps. Uh, 
it can mean anything. There's no, no reason to read into it as in we should expect to see Malachi Moore start, you know, at star against against Missouri. Maybe maybe that does happen. But but uh, I just thought that was an interesting note. Leatherwood didn't practice yesterday. Uh, take that for what it's worth, because I don't believe he's hurt. So add up two and two there and you probably have your answer. Uh, he should be back for, for Missouri, of course. Uh, you know, but I, I think Will Anderson and, uh, oh, and another, you know, Trey Sanders had a nice day. You mentioned, uh, Luke, that the running backs all had a good day. That's true again. But uh, in particular, I think it was a good good day for Trey, who who may be really finding his legs now. I, you know, sometimes when you have a serious injury, you know, your first couple times back in contact, you're not really yourself because you're a little tentative and and maybe Trey is uh, is finding his uh, his game again. He, he could be a truly significant player on this team. Uh, last thing I'll say about the quarterbacks, you know, it, it's it's game time. I mean, Tuesday they're going to practice again. The next time we practice, it will not be about moving players up and down the depth chart. It will not be about learning fundamentals or learning the scheme. Tuesday when they practice, they're going to start preparing to play Missouri. So I think the scrimmage uh, yesterday uh, wasn't just for, hey, let's get better. Let's find out who our best players are. The scrimmage yesterday was, okay, who are we getting ready to, to play Missouri? And uh, while Bryce has had a really good fall camp, and there's no question that Bryce Young is going to be a great player at Alabama, uh, it has to be about getting ready for Missouri, and that means Mac Jones. I think that's absolutely right. I think it will have to be Mac Jones, even though I've been on record many times saying that I think Bryce Young will eventually take that mantle. Um, I think Mac Jones probably will be the guy. And I'm going to tell you something. After watching the this first weekend of football, a few things when it comes to you talk about Malachi Moore getting out there or uh, Mac Jones over Bryce Young, meaning experience over inexperience. I think you can't have enough depth right now. We saw a couple of cases, actually more than a couple of cases, uh, several instances where guys or teams were down several players due to testing. And um, I think it's going to be uh, something where you have to develop depth. So I wouldn't read too terribly much into the fact that Malachi Moore was out there more than than player X or player Y, uh, other than we're trying to get everybody as ready for the season as we possibly can. That's right. Uh, whether it's COVID or injuries or, or, or contact tracing, depth, this will be the most important depth year of all time. That's why Alabama, I think, has tremendous advantage over almost all of our opponents because we do have a great depth of talent. Now, one thing about football, talent is one thing, and it's really, really important to have it. But you can't stick kids out there that don't know the place. You can't. It doesn't matter how big, fast, and strong you are if the play call is uh, is uh, Detroit, Detroit, Detroit. And then the kid runs off and, and runs San Diego, San Diego, San Diego. It doesn't matter how big and strong and fast he is. You got to know the plays or you can't help the team at all. It doesn't matter that you're a five star if you're running in the wrong direction. So depth is Alabama's depth uh, is a tremendous advantage. But getting 85 players ready to play in the games is an unheard of challenge in the history of college football. So. Yes, it's an advantage for Alabama talent-wise, but you still have to figure out coaching-wise how to get them ready to play in the games because just being big, strong, and fast, uh, that, that isn't enough. You, you have to kind of know what you're doing out there. Speaking of knowing what you're doing, you always know what you're doing if you go to Built Bar, builtbar.com, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. Absolutely delicious, low in sugar, 
just fun to eat. I mean, you eat it and it's got put a smile on your face. You know, you're not eating a lot of carbs. It's filling you up. They've got a multitude of delicious flavors. I mean, my favorite is the carrot cake, but there's all kind of other flavors that are just unbelievable, like cherry barcia, just absolutely delicious, much better than something like a cliff bar. Just not all that sugar that you feel kind of bad eating it. I mean, it's almost like a, a Reese's cup masked as a, uh, health bar when it comes to some of those they have so much sugar but built bar tastes as good as a reese's cup if not a little better and they do have a peanut butter flavor and it is really really good for you so go check them out builtbar.com they just had a new relaunch and uh, it's been very successful and jimmy we've had samples and they are really really fun to eat so go check out builtbar.com all right jimmy um so just to wrap up the scrimmage talk again, the the information is rather guarded coming out of of all practices right now. Um, it's just it's going to be that way because coaches don't want to give up too much information when there's you, you don't want to give out everything you know this year, especially because you're, you're going to start out in conference. I mean, you're not going to have a chance to you know do anything funky against some of these lesser opponents that you play sometimes. And uh, you also don't want to give away too much about who's injured or who's sick or who's whatever. So uh, it's going to be a little guarded. Although before I get into our scrimmage again, Missouri apparently has three guys that will not be able to play against us. I think one of them is a starter. I don't know about the rest of them. The other two, I think one of them is is a starter and the other two may play some, Uh, but yeah, three of their guys won't be able to play already. They've said, so, I mean, man, that's a little confusing to me. It's a little confusing to me. I mean, I, I can't, I can't, I don't profess to know the rules in terms of what every protocol rule is, although I believe they were recently relaxed and, and they're not as stringent as, as it appeared it might be before the camp started. So I'm a little confused as to how Missouri could have guys out for COVID. Now, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they had guys out that are injured and won't be back in time to play in 13 days. Uh, that, that I get. But uh, if you got guys out for COVID, I don't understand that protocol yet because, gosh, how many days do you have to spend in quarantine? Uh, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, even if you tested positive today, it seems like you could be back if you had no symptoms and tested negative uh, it, it, with, within the next 13 days. Yeah, it is a little confusing because I think they actually announced this either Saturday or Friday afternoon. And um, I'm guessing they just say it's going to be 14 days. And maybe in the the way that they approach this, if it's 14 days and, you know, it's on a Friday, then Saturday it sort of rolls over into Saturday. If you hadn't practiced or done anything for two weeks, maybe it's a little dicey to put them out there. I, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. But um, anyway, I think that's just one more reason to like Alabama by however many points Alabama wants to score against Missouri in this game that's coming up. Um, and and, and I, I don't think we can stress this enough, Luke. I think we're going to have to say it every day uh, on the podcast and on Twitter just to constantly remind people not to make too big a deal over who, who starts the game uh, against Missouri because, uh, I, I mean, I, I have this, this, this vision in my head of uh, – you know, the Missouri game starts, and it's not Christian Harris at will. It's uh, it's Josh McMillan or Shane Lee, and our fans are like, wow, I really thought Christian Harris would, would be the starter. How did he how did he not win that job, or, or how, how did he – why is he not out there, and why is Shane Lee beat out Christian Harris? 
And, and when, when in fact, there's just a simple answer to all of this because Christian couldn't play because of COVID and, or, or contact tracing, and he didn't make the trip, and he's, he's not out there. So just because you see somebody on the field, don't rush to the conclusion this season that the guy you expected to see got beat out. I mean, it, it's just, hey, think COVID first. Think COVID and contact tracing first. Don't assume, uh, you know, that, quote, Evan Neal got beat out by Kendall Randolph. I mean, don't, don't assume that. Just uh, if, if the guy that you think should be out there isn't and didn't play, it's COVID. It's that easy. Yeah, I think that's that's probably a fair assumption. Just like even though it hadn't been officially announced, Alex Leatherwood hadn't been at practice. I mean, I think it's fair to assume that that yep. could be COVID-related. Um, yep. Going back to the scrimmage for Alabama just for a second, I talked about Bryce Young. He did have a touchdown pass, according to AL.com. It was about 50 yards. And then another guy that stood out in this practice, which may be a shock to some, especially considering – some other running backs that were signed in the class had been talked about more. And that's Jace McClellan. He apparently had a good uh, uh, scrimmage as well, which is a little bit of um, a shock to me. The Will Anderson thing, not a shock in the least. But otherwise, uh, Will Reichert was four of five on field goals, the only miss coming on a kick of about 55 yards. Um, so I've I mean, heard I his only that. misses in three scrimmages. In three scrimmages, Will's only misses have been from 50-plus. That's one of the, it's one of the whispers I hear. We can live with that. We can definitely live yeah. with that. Yeah, I mean he's gonna he's gonna have a good year if he stays healthy and doesn't have to overkick and doesn't have to kick off and punt and just overuse his leg like we did a year ago. Uh, if 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 Will is just focusing on field goal kicking, I think he's gonna be fine. I'm not saying he's gonna be all SEC or make everybody forget that we have kicking woes, but but Will Riker was highly recruited, highly highly thought of, uh, and was actually pretty impressive before his season-ending injury early last season. So I think Reichert's going to have a good year. Yeah, I think Reichert could be uh, much different than the kicking game we're very used to. And, you know, if you followed – here's the thing about special teams. Um, If you watched any of the games yesterday, you know how big special teams can be. I mean, it's not like I'm I'm making some gigantic revelation. Special teams can always be big, right? But yesterday – I mean, it was so evident. I mean, how many guys I, – I want to say that Texas State, whoever yep. the hell game they were playing, the, they yeah, were trying to punt for a touchdown to tie the game, and all they have to do is kick the extra point, and they send uh, – uh, apparently their Alabama kicker wannabe out there, and he flubs it, misses that point, and then he misses another kick in one of the overtime that would have at least made it tied. Um Meanwhile, Iowa State gave up a kickoff return and a punt return for a touchdown, one of which was from a guy from Mobile, um, to lose their game. And then how about just the Big 12 going uh, 0 for 2 against the Sun Belt, I guess, and then they almost lost to uh, Houston Baptist? Or did they go 0 for 3 in the Sun Belt? 0 for 3, 0 for 3 and almost lost to Houston Baptist. Yeah, wow. I mean, sheesh. Uh, The Sun Belt, I'll just tell you, the Sun Belt, last few years it's a battle between the Sun Belt and the Mac for what's the worst division one conference so does this mean that the big 12 is really bad does this mean that the Sun Belt is really good uh, I would just like I do during the bowls I think these numbers these conference win loss records are interesting but I wouldn't read too much into it for instance I mean Lafayette's good yeah they're in the Sun Belt but Lafayette Louisiana Lafayette's a good team they're in the top 25 today and probably will end the year as one of the 25 best teams. They're just good. 
Coastal Carolina is not that good, but Kansas is so bad, and it's not news that Kansas is bad. Kansas has been this terrible for a decade. So we shouldn't be shocked, you know, at outcomes like that, where Lafayette is just a top 25 team. They can beat basically anyone that's not in the top 10. Uh, So we shouldn't be surprised there, and uh, we should never be surprised that Kansas loses to anyone. So I wouldn't read you know, too deeply into, uh, into any of it, really. Let me tell you, say this, that where Louisiana Lafayette apparently has been pretty smart and um, Kansas, I think, I, I, again, I'm not going to profess to be a Kansas aficionado, but um, I know this, our, uh, uh, Louisiana Lafayette got some guys to transfer in. They um, they got a coach from Alabama, you know, who's got Alabama ties. Meanwhile, Arkansas State, the other team I was thinking yeah. of, they got a couple of guys to transfer from Alabama. And, um, you know, it seems to me, if I were Kansas, that's that's what I would be doing. Forget, forget scouring for some four-star who is giving you a, a look. I would be scouring – LSU, Alabama, Ohio State, for anybody that's that's a little disgruntled and you're like, hey, you come here and with this new transfer rule, you play now. And I think that's where the Sun Belt apparently is doing well. Um, it sure seems that way. I mean, I, all, not all their players were of uh, came that route. But anyway, I just no, – I, I love it. That's great advice. I, I agree a million percent. They should focus on transfers to Kansas should also take advantage of the fact they have the second or third largest JUCO system uh, in the country, and and they should use that. If I was Kansas, I'd use that. My advice, I'd use that big budget. They got that big recruiting budget. I would find, I mean, big recruiting budget compared to JUCO teams. I would find 10, 15, 18 of the best players in the country that have absolutely no grades and I would recruit the hell out of them and place them in those Kansas junior colleges, build great relationships in state with those JUCOs, place kids like crazy. So you get them back in two years. And, and now you're getting guys athletically good enough to play anywhere uh, that, that you help play. I, I would just use the hell out of that in-state JUCO system. And, and again, like you said, transfers and uh, and just do what you can. Pick and, pick and, you know, kids in Texas get overlooked because there's so many. Just do a great job of evaluating in Texas and plucking some kids out of there that Texas and Texas A&M don't want uh, who are actually just as good because uh, that happens in a place like Texas. Well, and also this is a bit of a loaded question, but why is Lane Hatcher the quarterback at Arkansas State and not the quarterback at Kansas? Why is that John, Jonathan Adams kid, the wide receiver who just absolutely went off and looked like he could play for anybody, why is he at Arkansas State and not Kansas? I mean, those are the kind of things I, I would have to ask myself if I were Kansas. Like, uh, you know, you, you've got to you got to shoot for those kind of guys. Um, that, yeah, you're right. A little overlooked. It just doesn't make any sense to me. They have tried – to chase after some guys that are, you know, four and five star cats, and it's that's not going to work, man. You're just not going to beat out some. And if you do get one, they're going to be the kind of five star that, uh, ironically, Auburn had for some time. I mean, Auburn's gotten some really good five stars of late, but the, for a while there, every time Auburn got an offensive or defensive lineman that was a five star, it felt like they had to transfer for some kind of attitude issue, or they were just booted from school. And so, and so maybe that was the reason that they weren't able to go to some other school. So I, I think Kansas is going to have to look at places like that. But anyway, yep. I, I just found it um, uh, a bad sign. And I'll tell you, it 
as an Alabama fan, it worries me a little bit in that, you know, Iowa State just looks so disinterested out there too. I, frankly, I don't know that, that um, uh, who did Iowa State lose to? Jimmy, I just lost my mind. Uh, uh, Louisiana, Lafayette. Lafayette. Louisiana. Louisiana. I don't know that Louisiana Lafayette wasn't just better. Um, you know, and that, that's so crazy to say. They lost 31 to 14, of course, Iowa State did. So maybe obviously they are better. But I'm saying just even on the hoof, I thought yep. that um, I Louisiana Lafayette looked a little better. That's just so, great recruiting. Great recruiting. Billy Napier's done a great job there. He is maybe the most deserving group of five coach to get a really plum power five gig in this upcoming coaching carousel uh, because not only did he have the big road win against the top 25 team, not only has he been highly competitive in the Sun Belt in just his first two seasons, uh, he has recruited to the point that it was very hard to tell uh, on the hoof who was who was the Power Five team and who was the Group of Five team because those Lafayette kids look bigger, stronger, faster to me than most of those Iowa State guys. And uh, yet, so so yeah, I, I agree totally. I, I don't think it was a fluke at all. While I do agree that Iowa State lacked some intensity and maybe that was because of all the weirdness and the protocols and the empty stadium and everything else. But uh, Louisiana Lafayette looked look just better prepared and just looked like the better team. Uh, I mean, it was like that wasn't an upset. The better team won the game. Well, and then I felt a little better having watched Clemson and Wake Forest as Clemson just absolutely took them apart. I mean, they, they toyed with them. So I guess there's another way to look at that. I think teams that are conditioned to be good um, are going to still be good and understand fans or no fans, we got to go take care of business. And teams that maybe are not used to being good or used to getting any kind of hype and don't have the fans to, to sort of give them a rah-rah boost, maybe they will be the ones that have the issues. And, and, and so maybe that's, that's how the, I should look at that instead. Jimmy, let's take a break. When we come back, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the guys' performance in uh, NFL football today already. All right, Jimmy, so NFL started, uh, actually started Thursday, but uh, first big day of NFL has been today, and some of the Alabama guys have just absolutely gone gone off today. Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones both had over 100 yards receiving for Atlanta in a loss, and they frankly should have had uh, each probably another 40 or 50 yards, but Matt Ryan was just off target today. And it's, it's unbelievable to say, considering he threw for 450 yards, but he also threw it 54 times. Um, he, he just woefully underthrew Julio on something that should have easily been probably an 80 yard touchdown. Can't remember exactly. But um, meanwhile, uh, I know Landon Collins had a pretty good day in Washington's win. I know that Marlon Humphrey had an interception for the Baltimore Ravens, and then Josh Jacobs. I mean, Josh Jacobs, three touchdowns, 95 yards. Henry Ruggs, three catches for 55 yards as the Raiders go on the road and beat the, um, the they beat the Panthers. Josh Jacobs is may end up being the, the best running back in the league this year. I mean, he was ridiculous today. Yeah, I mean, it was my favorite. Uh, I, I didn't see it live. I just saw the, uh, the, the tape of it. But, uh, you know, my, my favorite Alabama sequence of the day so far was definitely the uh, the throw from a car to Ruggs that got uh, the Raiders down the field. Uh, Ruggs setting up the Josh Jacobs touchdown. And I think it was the first touchdown of the day for the Raiders, and and that's gonna be a fun team to pull for as an Alabama fan with uh, with Ruggs and uh, and Jacobs out there. Yeah, Josh Jacobs could easily prove to be one of the, the most elite running backs 
in the NFL, and thanks to Alabama's tremendous depth at running back, I think one of the many reasons Josh Jacobs is so good is he came to the NFL with a lot of tread on his tires. I mean, this was not a overused high mileage back. I mean, he's pretty fresh, and uh, and he, he looks like he plays with fresh legs. Yeah, he certainly does. Um, and then Julio today, um, he was magnificent. Didn't score a touchdown. I think he had nine catches for uh, 157 yards, I believe it was. Um, no touchdowns, like I said, but he is also the fastest receiver uh, or second fastest receiver to 800 receptions on his third catch today. Of those nine, he got to 800 catches for his career, and there is a long way to go in his career. So, uh, yeah, he's he's destined uh, to put on one of those uh, Hall of Fame jackets and oh, yeah. give one of those speeches. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Yeah, he can quit tomorrow and be in the Hall of Fame. And uh, from here, here he's just – He's just adding to the totals, and it was nice to see Calvin Ridley have a good, a good productive day beside him. I'm sure they're disappointed with the loss. That was to me. I, I wasn't expecting the Falcons to beat the Seahawks because I think the Seahawks are pretty good, uh, but I thought the game would be a little closer. Uh, Falcons, Falcons perpetually seem to me to have a few great pieces, but uh, just can't put together 22 good good players. Meanwhile, I think a lot of people thought that Tua may get a shot because whew, Ryan Fitzpatrick was stinking up the joint. I mean, just stinking it up. Three big picks today. I want to say one was in the end zone. I mean, he just looked awful. But Tua didn't get in. And, uh, I mean, I can make a case that that's probably a good thing. But, you know, he was stinking. Ryan Fitzpatrick was stinking it up. Um, all the way to halftime, and that's when everybody was like, look, if you're going to put two in, it's always best to put him in right after halftime when you're losing. <laughs> well, I think, you know, what, what today, it could hasten uh, to his appearance. I, I don't believe that the plan is going to be that uh, that two sits for 16 games. I don't believe that will be the situation. Uh, I don't think that's the plan. I think they're going to sit to it until they're very comfortable with where he is physically. Uh, and, and hopefully at that time they think he's got a grasp uh, of the playbook. And, and if that happens in week two, great. If it doesn't happen to week 14, that's great too. I, I, I don't think they're going to be in a rush to use him. But at the same time, I'll be surprised that, that we find out later that the plan was we just weren't going to play two of this year no matter what. I, I'll be surprised if, if we find that out. Meanwhile, several games left. Uh, Kenyon Drake's playing right now for the Arizona Cardinals along with uh, Deontay Thompson and um, Drake Kirkpatrick. Uh, Drake has not gotten a lot of carries so far because that's just not what Arizona does. They throw it on practically every down. Uh, but he's had a couple of carries. And, of course, we got Derrick Henry tomorrow night, uh, Jerry Judy tomorrow night, Mark Barron and, and Kareem Jackson. Uh, a lot of potential guys to see Isaiah Bugs for Pittsburgh. Um, I mean, just a lot. Finally, Jimmy, uh, we'll talk more about that, but uh, I'm sure you saw Saban's comments on ESPN. He caught some flack from Jared Dudley, who's a sort of a run-of-the-mill NBA player. He's a great player at Boston College. but uh, And Jared Dudley demanded an apology. And really all Saban said was, hey, black lives matter and all lives matter. I think that's what he said. And Look, do it. I kind of wish he wouldn't have said it. I kind of wish nobody would say anything about it anymore because it's become so polarizing and and taken out of context. No matter which way you say anything now, um, but I think that uh, I don't think Saban meant 
anything negative about it at all. And considering how much he's done for race relations and the marching he's, he's taken part in, et cetera, et cetera. I just can't understand how anybody would be upset with the guy right now. Well, it's extremely easy to upset a lot of people these days when it comes to that subject. Uh, and it doesn't matter what side you're on it. You're, you're It's easily easy to upset the other side. And, and it appeared to me, I was watching live when it happened. Um, you know, Nick Saban didn't write the tagline of the Alabama video, the Alabama video that got out there that, that made the rounds all around the country. It didn't become the most famous thing ever, but it really got, you know, pretty famous. There's a ton of views on the, on the Alabama video that was written by Alex Leatherwood and written <laughs> and endorsed by obviously the whole Alabama football team. And the tagline really to that video was all lives can't matter until black lives matter. And that is the tagline and written by the Alabama players. So no doubt tacitly endorsed by the African-American players that play for Alabama written by Alex Leatherwood. I think all that happened watching is Nick just sort of butchered the line. He butchered the line. It wasn't intentional. I think that, I think that's exactly what Nick was trying to say because he knows that safe territory, but he's live on TV and he just butchered the line is all, I mean, that's what happened, but you're not going to, you're not going to talk people out of their hot takes. So you know, my first thought was, you know, Chris Owens and Leatherwood and the Alabama leaders need to issue a statement or speak up to say, hey, you guys got this all wrong, you know, that you got him all wrong. But th- now that I've had 24 hours or more to chew on it, I would do absolutely nothing. It's a nothing story. And when you address it, you make you, you continue to make it something. I just yeah, I agree. Leave, it, leave it alone. And Nick Saban's record on these Nick Saban's record on these type matters speaks for itself. His actions, his word, his purposeful words. He just butchered, he just butchered something live on TV that he that that, that I would say he didn't mean to say. He just jumbled up the words in, in the wrong order. And, and now, there's nothing evil in that. Do you think he got Ron Burgundy? I mean, somebody screwed up the teleprompter. He said, he said night, San Diego." He said something else. Is that what that I'm saying it was like that. No, he he just he just he 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 wasn't prepared maybe to to say the sentence. So so I think if he had said the sentence as written by Alex Leatherwood, it's just a positive thing. But yeah. he just misspoke it. That's all, and and, and that's all it was. And. If I was Alabama, I, w- I just wouldn't address it at all. It, 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 would, it would make a story out of where there is no story. I agree. And here's the thing. It, it couldn't have happened at a better time unless it happened on a Friday night. I mean, but happening Saturday morning on the first real Saturday of football, it got a little traction right at the very beginning of the day. But then later in the day, um, you know, there's college football. There's some big upsets. The Lakers destroy Houston. So, I mean, everybody's talking about that with the Lakers instead of Jared uh, Jared Dudley. And now today the NFL is playing and nobody's even bringing it up. So I, I'm like you. The only people who brought it up is me and you. So maybe we should set our big gappers. <laughs> and, we, we, and we know – that it's a nothing story. So I think, I think just leaving it alone is the right thing to do. And uh, that's what I expect here out of Alabama. Nothing. All right, buddy, that's going to do it for today. Now, what I want to do tomorrow uh, when we get our podcast on is talk about the rest of the Alabama performances in the NFL. Want to talk a little bit more about practice as we get closer and closer to game week. And then I also want to bring up um, what went on in high school football last week with some of our prospects. And I don't know if you've seen the Hillcrest Tuscaloosa 
Potumka highlight, but that's one of the damnedest plays you will ever see. I highly recommend everybody to go check that out. About 12 laterals to end the game allows Hillcrest Tuscaloosa to win a contest over Wetumpka. It was unbelievable. And uh, I was doing a scoreboard show that night. We just happened to have a roving reporter in the field at the Wetumpka game. And he had given us a report a little bit earlier saying, yeah, this could be a good one. Could come down to the last play. And he was not playing around. So um, that's going to do it, Jimmy. Roll Tide. Roll Tide.